Hello, this is Bill Chambers, and welcome to another episode of the Faster Podcast. My objective is to interview world-class performers to discover how it is that they do what they do, what makes them unique and fascinating, their success mindset, habits, and behaviors, and share these insights to challenge and inspire you. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andy Blow from Precision Hydration. Andy has a few top 10 Ironman finishes, and he's also a world Xterra age group uh, champion. Now, I contacted Andy a few months back after training so much indoors on the erg or on the watt bike and getting really dehydrated and suffering from cramping. And I heard on a podcast Andy talking about potential solutions and how he started the company Precision Hydration to deal with his own personal cramping, how he used his degree in sports science and his experience in working with teams like the Formula One teams, Benetton and Renault F1 to help the racing car drivers deal with dehydration, how he could help the general public. So he developed a sweat test that I've used online and it diagnosed me as a heavy sweater, no doubt, if you're doing a lot of ergos and, and training indoors in the gym and diagnosed you know, how much electrolytes I actually needed to do. So I tried these for a while and it actually worked. It worked for me. So I thought I'd contact Andy and speak to him about some of the general questions that members on the Masters uh, Rowing Group on Facebook have asked. And most of those questions dealt around cramping, when to drink, what to drink before a race, before training, the effect of alcohol and caffeine on hydration. And Andy was kind enough to spend some time with me and share some of the insights into how to properly hydrate for training and racing and some of the positive effects of being correctly hydrated. So in this episode, Andy and I are going to go into addressing the questions from the, the Facebook Masters Rowing Group, as well as some of the questions from subscribers. And if you go to my website, whchambers.com, you'll find the discount code that Andy has so kindly offered to subscribers and members of the Facebook group. So I hope you enjoy this insightful interview with Andy Blow from Precision Hydration. Welcome, Andy. Welcome to the Faster Podcast. Good to be chatting again, Bill. Yeah, likewise. I think it's, a, it's amazing how quickly we've brought this about. And for the for the listener to bring some context uh, over the over lockdown and and through the summer months, uh, I've been training a lot, like probably everyone has a lot indoors. And when the chance came, we'd we'd get outdoors. It's always suffering from cramps. So I did some investigation uh, online. Uh, did Doctor Google helped me find some some you know not not so clear answers i've got to say so i yeah. went on to my favorite podcast and i think i i listened to to mikhail at uh, uh the scientific triathlon show and it's a great interview with you andy and that piqued my curiosity about uh precision hydration and and what you actually do there but i never actually got around to contacting you but when i did you were very quick to to get back to me so thank you for that and i thought that uh I think the, the, the listener would really appreciate learning a little bit more about you, uh, your background, some of the history, the science, 
uh, what is what is the the problem that uh, or question that the precision hydration are looking to solve, and are there any applications for for those masters rowers or any rower in general uh, with with the hydration solutions uh, and then we've got some some wonderful questions from the the facebook group i think we've nearly got close to 100 questions from the group so thank you for those and towards the end of the podcast andy's kindly offered to to dig a little bit into those and, and get some responses back to you so andy where where should we begin about you i think yeah well um the the company that i've set up um 10 years ago now precision hydration was was one of those things that it, I never really set out for it to become a company at first. It was, it was, you know, to, to echo what you were saying, it, it, the trying to answer a question or a problem that was a real issue for me as an athlete. Um, I did study sport and exercise science when I was younger at the University of Bath in, in the UK. And during that time, I was training as a sort of very serious triathlete. And back then, as a youngster, I was kind of aiming largely to see if I could go to the Olympic Games either you know probably 2004 in Athens would have been around the time if I was going to make it but it kept, became apparent that although I wasn't a bad athlete I was and I was in the squad with some some of the guys that were um, competing at elite level for Great Britain I was not going to make the cut when it came to something like the Olympics and at that point as a triathlete if you because the Olympic distance you know the, the sort of like two-ish hour race um, is is the is the one that you can go to the games for if you weren't going to do so well at that one of your options was to go to longer distances and, and aim for something like the hawaii ironman in kona and, and i i decided um, around sort of 2000 2002 that i was going to have a crack at, at doing ironman and it was really in moving from short distance to long distance that i found I was having all sorts of problems with with hydration, and you you mentioned cramp in your introductory. Oh, that's my problem. Chat. Yeah, <laughs> well, you you and me, you and me both. Cramp was a huge issue for me as an athlete for many many years, and um, you know, part of the investigation of I guess trying to solve that and some of the other problems that I was having in long and particularly in hot races meant that you know I ended up looking quite quite a lot into hydration and initially getting quite frustrated at the kind of advice and products and things that were available for athletes at that time and then sort of in solving my own problem when I actually stopped competing around 2006 2007 it enabled me I was working with a few athletes and it enabled me to start to you know look at their hydration needs in a different way um, and um, what it all came down to for me was um, you know have the insight that a doctor gave me in terms of measuring not only sweat rate in athletes but sweat composition and and really looking at look, individualizing both fluid intake and electrolyte intake to better match an individual's needs because those needs are so wide between different people mm. Mm. is the science clear on what's causing cramps Andy? definitely not very very opaque um lot of disagreement in that area so if you read if you go on online and read you know half a dozen articles about cramp in athletes you'll get half a dis half a dozen different opinions and mm -hmm. it's quite it's quite a polarizing topic because for many many years mm -hmm. cramp was assumed to be 
related to electrolyte imbalance or dehydration because we often see lots of instances of cramp in people who have very very heavy sweat losses so that could be people working in the heat or people participating in sport in the heat we see more cramping than we do in cooler conditions and it's often been anecdotally linked with like high levels of fluid loss high levels of electrolyte loss and disturbance um, so there's always been this theory that correcting for electrolyte and fluid imbalance can help with cramping but where the science falls down is that the link the, the mechanism for what is happening is is unclear and the sort of any any real hard scientific evidence is lacking in terms of what what happens at a, at a muscular or cellular level in order to you know for cramping to either be present or not be present um, so in, in more recent years, there's been a competing theory, which, which has been proposed all about neuromuscular fatigue, and that has a little bit of lab-based evidence behind it. And so it's been sort of, in some people's eyes, it has superseded the electrolyte dehydration theory. But at the same time, neither of those theories seem to offer a really conclusive view of what's happening with cramp. And in the meantime, so you've got all these you know, like scientific minds kind of battling it out and arguing for one, one polarised idea or another. And in the middle between that, you've got a load of people like myself and you who are out there doing sport and getting cramps and needing a practical answer to the problem. And for yeah. me, I can definitely say, you know, hand on heart, that once I'd got on top of the, the, the issues of extreme fluid and electrolyte loss that I was suffering as a triathlete, the, inst the the amount of times that I get cramp, you know, since then have been decimated. You know, I'm, I'm so much more in control of what happens. I, I still very occasionally do get cramps. I think if you're someone who, who has a propensity to get cramps, then it's, it's almost impossible to eradicate them completely. But I've since, since learning, you know, about electrolyte and fluid balance in more detail, I've been able to race confidently in very high temperatures over very long distances and not suffer with cramps. So, yeah, so it's, it's in, interesting that you bring that up with the high temperatures because what I've what I have noticed, and I cramp, uh, I have cramped consistently for for many years through training and also after very high intensity sessions, and generally also in the evening. Yeah. So, uh, and this has been regardless of the temperature because I think probably I'm a I'm a heavy sweater according to your test. Yeah. But I also, uh, you know, you sweat whether you're skiing or you're doing mountaineering or you're cycling or rowing or even swimming. And what I have noticed, uh, so I used to get like a cramp down the inside of the leg. It feels like the the femoral artery is just you know turning to yeah. to solid. Uh, that I've been using your product. Uh, since you sent me that starter pack. So what's that? That's about six weeks now. And I've had a couple of cramps, but I was getting them probably every other night or in loading weeks. So anecdotally, I found that uh, it it is helping. Now, what I've done is used your product in the same ratio that I would have used a water bottle or uh, another fluid replacement product. So I have seen a difference um with cramping but we're we're talking anecdotal information here and i guess it's it's very personalized but the other reason why i was looking into your product was uh, the effect of blood volume on performance have yeah. you have you noted anything in your in your work with precision hydration or in, in the 
box to the impact of hydration on um, or lack of hydration on performance related to blood volume? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of good quality literature out there about that particular topic because we know that it was established a very long time ago that obviously when we sweat, the sweat, the, the fluid for sweat is primarily drawn from your blood plasma. So as, as you sweat, your blood volume contracts. And obviously, if you've got a high sweat rate and you're going at high intensity for a prolonged period of time, your blood volume can contract quite substantially. It's one of the reasons why if you maintain the same exercise intensity and warm conditions for an hour or two and monitor your heart rate you'll see what we call cardiovascular drift where your heart rate drifts upwards for the same power output because your heart has to work harder to deliver as much oxygen to your working muscles and to the skin for cooling even when you're um you know you're, you're basically just ticking along at the same rate so it's it's kind of well documented that if you can help to preserve blood volume when you're exercising then you you can reduce that um, cardiovascular strain and keep going at the same pace at the same effort level for longer and that's ultimately the you know the goal for endurance athletes isn't it in, in pretty much whatever sport be it rowing or cycling or running or whatever it's like maintenance of the highest output you can achieve for the for the duration of the event and um what we know about um, preservation of blood volume is that because blood's very salty it contains about 3600 milligrams of sodium in every liter and although we don't lose as much of that salt as we do fluid in our sweat we do lose some salt um, varying amounts from person to person then by adding salt and or sodium and um, potentially a little bit of glucose as well into into drinks you can absorb more fluid more rapidly in the gut into the bloodstream you can maintain blood volume more easily without um, the onset of a condition called hyponatremia which is where you dilute sodium levels in the blood and obviously keep blood volume up for longer and and therefore maintain performance and so that's that all of that is pretty well established um and and you know when people go into to hospital for to be treated for dehydration or whatever there there's a reason why they don't just give them water to drink but they put a, a bag of saline into their um, vascular system is because that that is is much more effective at getting blood volume up more quickly than than just taking water alone and you know all of that combined is is sort of well established and well known but where there seems to be a lot of controversy is is in this topic of like how much do we need to drink how much electrolyte do we need to take as athletes in order to optimally maintain that performance so andy i I know you've had some experience with the gb rowing team and you know maybe we'll we'll talk about that later you know your your experience with with supporting the team there but we know that you know most rowing races are six minutes or seven minutes or less if you're doing a time trial event of you know 5k or a 10k nothing is really going to go over an hour uh, so what we're really am i understanding correctly that the it's the hydration during training uh that's going to support um the capacity and the and the endurance for the racing yeah. Is that what I'm understanding? And, and how important is it to be well hydrated before a race, like if we're doing a master's event and it's a four-minute race? Yeah, I think, yeah, breaking all of that down, I would say rowing is a really interesting endurance sport because you, it, it's one a little bit like swimming, I guess, in some regards, in that the volume of training is is massive compared to the duration of the races. 
um, you know, if you're a triathlete, it's often, if you're doing Ironman, it's the, often the opposite way around. You'll very rarely will you train as long as you race for, you know, you might train two, three hours a day if you're training hard or a little bit more, but you're only going to, but you're going to race for eight, nine, 10, 11 hours doing an Ironman. In rowing, it's, it's the opposite way around. And what, what amazed me, even, even though I knew rowers trained hard is, as you mentioned, I was really fortunate when I was working as a sports scientist, working the early 2000s it was just I think it was in the run-up to the Athens games I went on a training camp with Jürgen Grobler and the and the squad that he was preparing for the GB heavyweight men's squad were preparing for the the build-up to the Olympics and we were in Samaritz and these guys were training like on this two and a half day cycle of doing I think it was um, 30 kilometers at 18 strokes a minute first thing in the morning then they would, then they would go cross country skiing, which was what I was there to help with, because um, they're trying to teach rowers to ski was good fun, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Some big units. They like using their arms, not their legs, quite so much on the skis. Um, and then, then they would lift weights in the afternoon. They do that for two days and then have a half day of it, and then go. And the amount of like sweating, the amount of calories consumed, the amount of fluids, and and all the rest of it that they needed to pack away in those days just to maintain the, the the training intensity for that period was was huge and i think for for rowers it's definitely the case that that a lot of the a lot of the chat around hydration should be focused on okay supporting optimal you're know, turning up to training well hydrated so you can maximize the output in a given session recovering well from that session so you can then you know, get up and do it again the next day and then as you mentioned you know starting a race well hydrated and that whole thing about starting either training sessions or races well hydrated when you talk to athletes is an interesting one because a lot of athletes are guilty of you know thinking that if if taking one of something or doing doing something is good then like doubling down or tripling down on that is better and so with hydration what we often see and i was guilty of this as an athlete is you know you think you think you've got a big session coming up or a big race you want to be well hydrated you're just going to drink loads and drink loads of water and so we see athletes all the time wandering around with you know massive bottles of water in the build-up to events just sipping away sipping away and wanting all the time we've a lot of us have been told for a lot of our athletic careers that you've got to be peeing clear liquid you know because that's a good sign that you're hydrated but of course there, there becomes this point when if you over drink what you actually do is you don't really absorb any of that fluid or not much of it you end up just weighing it out and as you wear out, you take valuable electrolytes with you and you can start to lower the electrolyte levels in your blood and in your system, which can, which can ultimately actually lead you to underperform. So you're not necessarily dehydrated, but you're what's called hypernatremic, which is where you've diluted so what, sodium levels. So, so the, the big question I have on my mind, Andy, is so what, how much do you drink and and how long before a training session? So, you know, to be well hydrated, what does well hydrated look like? Well, most of the time, human beings are pretty good at maintaining day-to-day hydration status. You know, as long as we listen to our instincts and drink a reasonable amount of sensible fluids, so like non-caffeinated fluids and non-alcoholic fluids that aren't going to cause us to, to pee a lot, as long as we drink reasonably sensibly, in, from, for the vast majority of people, that's enough to keep you like normally hydrated day to day. Now, on top of that, if you're an athlete and you're training really hard and you're doing a lot of sweating, it can be 
it can be prudent to like drink a little bit more consciously. And what I would tend to recommend for most athletes is to make sure that if you've got a training session coming up, you know, you have you know, a, a small bottle of fluid. So that might be between sort of 300 and 600 milliliters of fluid in the, in the hour or two before you go and, and do your session to make sure you're topped up. And if it's a particularly long or a particularly hard session, I'd advocate for putting quite a lot of electrolytes in that fluid because. So how, what is long though? What um, do you mean by putting? Because you're an Iron Man and we're rowers. So yeah, I would say if it, 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 I have to caveat it with kind of things about the temperature and stuff. But if it's, I would say if it's in, if it's an indoor session or it's a session in hot and humid conditions, I would consider it to be long if it's more than ninety minutes. Because okay. if you've got it, if you because um, you know I'm generalising, but if obviously rowers on the whole bigger people you know larger surface area more sweating you can sweat quite a lot in 90 minutes to two hours if you're working hard and rowing is obviously a highly energetic activity so you're using a lot of big muscle groups and creating and a lot relatively of stationary heat. as well like on a stationary bike unless you've got some evaporative cooling definitely yeah if you're on an erg you know pulling away and I've, although i'm no no expert on one of those things i have done my time on a concept too you know in the in the gym and you do sweat atrociously you know it's like it's like sitting on a, a watt bike or, or anything else so i would say if you're doing like you know 90 minutes plus then and you and you want to go hard and also if you've got to recover well afterwards then drinking a strong electrolyte drink in the 90 minutes before you start is the best way to prepare it's not about drinking loads and loads but the strongest drink that we make, I think one of the ones that was in your start pack was um, pH 1500. And that's called 1500 because mm. the, the relative concentration of it is 1500 milligrams of sodium per liter, which we found is about as strong as you can go without you know upsetting some people's stomachs. But it's strong enough that the, the um, effect of that extra sodium in the drink is to pull it into, pull the fluid into your bloodstream and hold it there. As opposed to then if you just drank, shotgunned a bottle of water you'd probably end up peeing most of it out um, okay so a, a good bottle about 90 minutes before that's idea and with all the caveats that, that i understand it's a, it's a bit of a catch-all but yeah um, so that that covers the, the some of the questions about how to hydrate for training and how much to drink pre-race and timing and how much do i need to drink and when can you tell us an Take us through a little bit about your the the process of someone coming to Precision Hydration. Uh, explain, you know, the online sweat test, and then how you basically determine what it is that that person needs, and guide them through some of the science and the story there, Andy. Yeah, well, the, well, how we started way back when with pH was when, as I alluded to earlier, when I was having problems racing long distance long distances in the heat my friend dr raj jutley who's a, a heart surgeon said to me he was i was describing my symptoms to him and he said look it sounds to me like you're suffering huge fluid and electrolyte loss and he said i know you sweat a lot but we should also measure your sweat composition and so he took me to hospital we measured the amount of sodium i was losing in my sweat and i lose something in the region of normally 1.8 grams of sodium per liter so 1800 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat and he explained to me that the the average for if you just pull a person off the street the average number that we see is about 900 milligrams per liter and that in some people who who are you know either lucky or very very well adapted to the heat it can be as low as 200 milligrams per liter mm -hmm. and so i was losing kind of 10 times more or eight times more than the lowest 
um, the, the people who lose the lowest amount of sodium in their sweat and, and double the average coupled with a high sweat rate and many hours. He was saying that explains why I was suffering these sort of like hyponatremic problems, cramping problems and whatever. Um, so at, at pH, what we, what one of our aims is to educate people on the fact that in, in sweat and in fluid loss, we lose fluid, we lose water, but we also lose electrolytes, predominantly sodium. We talk a lot about sodium because that's the key electrolyte in fluid balance in the body. And that, that both the, the amount that you sweat and the amount of electrolyte that's in your sweat can, can be wildly variable from person to person. So we have to attack this as an individualized, with an individualized solution. And so the, the sort of ultimate service that we can offer is we have a piece of technology that we use, which takes a sweat sample from athletes at rest and actually measures their sweat composition. And then we can do some data collection around measuring sweat rates. And once we know roughly what an athlete's sweat rate is and, and what their sweat composition is, it's a quite an easy equation to obviously look at what their net sodium loss might be over a given period of time. And then what we've done with that data, and we still offer that testing around the world in different locations, but what we've also done is we've taken the data and experience that we've had with thousands of athletes and developed an online questionnaire, which is the one that you did. Yeah. And the idea with that is that it asks the, the right kind of questions for us to start to determine whether you, whether you have a, you know, whether you perceive you have heavy sweat losses or not, whether you get cramps regularly or whether you don't the kind of training load that you're under in terms of hours and the intensity. And we take all of that information and we've built an algorithm that then basically puts you into one of four or five different buckets as to whether you're someone who's, who's likely to have very low sodium and fluid losses, medium, high, or very high. And then we've got some uh, like semi-individualized reports off the back of that, which give you the right ballpark to start your own trial and error in. Because ultimately, like with most things, like anyone listening to this who's an athlete will know that, you know, training plans don't work the same for everyone, although they have a, a generally, you know, differentiated effect based on, on what's in them. Nutritional plans don't have the same effects on everyone because metabolism is different and, and physiology yeah. is different. And it's the same to a degree with hydration. What you've got to do, though, is you've got to get yourself in the right zone for how much fluid and how much electrolyte you need. And if you can get that dialed in, the body does its its thing in terms of, you know, adjusting the finer processes. And and hopefully then, you know, you the, the end result is you get it about right. The body responds really well and you get great performance. How, how long does it normally take to respond, Andy? If you get it right, I think you can go you you can you can get results. If you're getting this currently getting it wrong, for example, you can and you you're good at where you start your trial and error, you can see almost immediate results because, you know, hydration, when you, when you take in electrolytes and fluids, they're, they're absorbed within minutes in the body and you soon get some good feedback. Often that's what we see when, for me, when I, when I suddenly working with Dr. Jutley, when I suddenly increased the uh, amount of electrolytes that I was taking during Ironman races, there was a, there was a dramatic and immediate improvement. You know, it, it was like night and day for me it was mm. it was it was a huge difference and it would be disingenuous to sort of promise everyone that okay well that's what happens if you get this right because i think if your if your issues around this are not quite so pronounced then obviously we can't expect such a rapid and a massive turnaround but what we do see is that a lot of people there's a lot of confusion around good hydration practices 
and people often don't really know even what variables they should be manipulating. So I think that's where your your sorry to interrupt, but I think okay. that's where your your hydration online test was really super simple. It was fast, so don't think you're going to be cluttered with a hundred questions. It was quick. Now, I liked the report; it made it made sense. And I guess that I'm probably on the extreme side where I'm a heavy sweater. I, I, you, you recommended I take the the heaviest or you know the the strongest product yeah. that you have. I did see results in the reduction of cramping. I can't say I've even bothered to measure you know in blood volume and and power performance. But I know that when I am taking your electrolyte drink, there's a difference between when I'm not on the longer training sessions, but not so much in 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 racing. So I guess that the, the test is really simple and easy. Is how is there much variation between the, the super duper test and the and the free hydration test? I think that it's very it's very hard to say in terms of when when we're always refining the algorithm and the outputs of the online test based on what we learn working with more and more athletes i would say the difference between just hitting and hoping and just guessing all of this and doing the online test is massive you know because mm-hmm. at least with the online test it puts you in a, a sensible zone you're getting closer you're getting you're getting closer you're kind of rather than just wildly firing off you know you're kind of aiming at the target at that point um, I think the difference between doing that and pursuing the results of that with some strategic trial and error and having the full-on test is is smaller because okay. actually the magic for me is not in the – the test is useful because it gives you an objective number and it can rule in or rule out what whether someone is particularly salty in their sweat or whether they've got a particularly high or low sweat rate. But those, but those things you can infer over time, and I think if yeah. you if you go about this in a in a systematic way and and really sort of tweak the variables involved, which are essentially you know, the volume of fluid that you're taking at different times and the amount of electrolytes that you're consuming within that, then the, an intelligent person can iterate their way to a fantastic outcome without the need for the full on testing. The testing just is if it's convenient and it's available, it's like a bit more of a shortcut. Really. And again, and it, I, I, I haven't looked at it for a while, but I remember it giving me just some, some basic direction. You know, you need to replace more salts. You need to be drinking like this. So I think it's, it was pretty clear. Mate, you've got a, I'm just looking at your website. You've got a hell of a lot of elite athletes there. You've got Williams Formula One. You've got Sunweb, which had an amazing Tour de France with, uh, with, uh, we're all watching he or she there. Yeah, and, yeah. And he was from the other guys. Mike. My goodness, mate! You're the gravel world champion. You got Emma Jeffcote, the ITU World Cup winner. How'd you get all these? Um, Sarah Crowley. Yeah. Um, well, how'd you, how'd you get all these athletes? Well, honestly, you know, we, they come to us. You know, people have they people gravitate to us if they if they want some help, and it's been word of mouth. You know, we're a small, we're a relatively small business. There's mm. we've 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 bootstrapped our business from you know basically four of us, you know, in a shed up to 10 of us in in a in an office where we've actually rebuilt the shed just for as a meeting room for as a as a bit of a throwback um and and we so we haven't we're not we're not you know we're not vc backed or anything like that we're not paying these athletes to endorse what we do they've they've come to us because they they've felt they've felt that there was an element of performance that we could unlock with them and so we've been it's been so so great like you mentioned the tour de france and 
every couple of days we were talking with the Sunweb nutritionists, getting feedback on what the riders are eating and drinking and, and learning. So for us, just having the opportunity to work with those people and we we yeah, try to steer yeah. what they're, you know, try try to kind of help help them in, in the individualization process because you know Sunweb jumped on board because they had a couple of riders who were who were you know particularly struggling in hotter conditions heavy heavy sweaters people who were like not really finding they could perform at their best in the heat and we've had a couple of fantastic success stories there where we've turned you know turned sort of the confidence of those riders around that now they feel like they can they can do what they need to do yeah in 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 a long hot day in the mountains whereas before they would one of the riders actually said to me look before we started doing this testing and i understood about this electrolyte replacement i would look at the temperature and if it was predicted to be high i would basically rule myself out it was not going to be a good day and now that's gone and you think wow that's no that's massive at that level and and it sort of amazes me to a, a point that more people aren't aware of aren't aware of this but that's i suppose a product of the kind of the heavy duty marketing that's been done for years and years by the traditional sports drink companies who have got a, a one-size-fits-all product to sell yeah yeah no i get it i mean i'm just looking so those that want to have a look it's precisionhydration.com i was just flicking through you got eugene laverty so you've got a super bike uh world so so, so eugene eugene's a really interesting one because he came to us for a sweat test because someone had recommended him because he was just fading out in the heat in Malaysia and places like that. And we tested mm. him and his sweat sodium was almost identical to mine, you know, in the top 5% of people we ever test. So we, we gave him some 1500 electrolyte replacements and all the rest of it. And honestly, he wrote as the loveliest email after that, just saying, look, you've changed my career. Basically, nice. this has made such a difference, and so he's been a he's been a massive success story for him, and such a such such a lovely bloke. But um, yeah, I think it's it's great that we've been able to develop. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of these athletes who've had similar problems to me, and sort of helping them solve those problems, and then then those kind of endorsements just follow. Yeah, I've made hats off to you. I think it's amazing from four guys in a shed to ten, and you've got. Williams Formula One, you got the oh, anyway. People can go online have a look. How about some some other questions that have come from from friends and the, on the Masters um, Rowing Group on Facebook, talking about caffeine. Yeah, how about you, you mentioned earlier caffeine and alcohol. Let's just steer away from the alcohol for a minute, but just the caffeine. A lot of people take a, a good strong coffee before a race, but what other impact can it have that you've seen? Well. Caffeine for many years was sort of seen as a, a double-edged sword because it's all, always been understood that it could potentially boost in performance because of the stimulant effect and the effect of reducing fatigue in the brain. So athletes, and at one point, you probably remember it was on the ban list, you know, um, above a certain mm -hmm. amount. And then it came off the mm -hmm. ban list because it was obviously difficult to, to police that with caffeine being in regular everyday foods and drinks. But um, caffeine it's it's a diuretic so it makes you pee but the jury is definitely out on as to whether that has a has a net negative impact on your hydration status because a lot of people a lot of evidence now suggests that given that if you drink a coffee there's a reasonable amount of fluid that you take on with it although it makes you pee more the net gain to the body is still that you hold on to more fluid than you pee out um, okay. so the, the, the conventional wisdom on that nowadays seems to be that cough coffee especially if you're habituated to it 
and if you normally have a coffee before training you probably absolutely should have one before racing because otherwise you're you're <laughs> kind of handi- handicapping <laughs> yourself and and sort of from personal experience i know that to be the case like i'm a, i i always have a couple of coffees in the morning and i would always do that before a race as well i think what i would say though is to caveat the, the hydration thing is that although the the scientific evidence on aggregate seems to point towards the fact that it's it's not a net negative on hydration I personally, you know, have found that if I drink more than like three or four coffees in a day, and especially if I do that a couple of days in a row, I do seem to feel like it has a net negative effect on me from a hydration and energy point of view. And I, I noticed that when I'm you know, before COVID, when I was traveling a lot, doing a lot of long haul flying and suffering jet lag, I would drink more coffee and then get really quite dehydrated as a result. And so I would say, you know, you've got to learn how your body metabolizes caffeine and the effect it has but i wouldn't i wouldn't see it for most people as being something which you should which you would benefit particularly from say abstaining from for example how about alcohol Andy? um again alcohol obviously is a diuretic and um you know the the difference with that is i guess not you you would think not many athletes are going to use alcohol pre-competition although you know i've heard some stories over the years um with especially the night before some races but basically you know alcohol is is a diuretic it's going to cause a level of dehydration if if you consume too much of it so it's a case of just being mindful of that around around heavy training and whatnot um it's i i'm i enjoy a glass of red wine or a couple of beers or whatever and so i'm definitely not a someone who's an advocate for not drinking at all but at the same time you've just got to balance it with your with your training and racing demands okay Maybe we talk to some of the, the questions a Facebook group has raised. Um, how much do I need to drink and when? Can we just summarize that? Because I know you've mentioned it before. but Yeah, the, the, so that kind of question is obviously the one that people want the answer to. In, in your Facebook group, it was the, mo- the one that got the most upvotes by a long way. And, mm. and I think that the, the temptation in the past with a lot of people has been to try and give, give num- hard numbers there. And what I would say is that hydration needs are incredibly individual and highly variable from person to person and also within the same person in different conditions. But what I would say is that for for day-to-day hydration, for most of the time, learning to listen to your body and, you know, just sort of um, responding to the dictates of thirst, drinking when you're thirsty, drinking plenty of, of water during the day as opposed to too many diuretics and things, you will you will stay adequately hydrated by doing that. Then on top of that, when you when you start exercising, I tend to sort of, the, the differences between what people can absorb and what people need per hour during exercise are quite large. But if we start with the outer limits, you know, there's very few people that I see that can comfortably tolerate or need to get anywhere near much more than 1.2 to 1.3 litres per hour during training. Mm sessions and so you know there are a couple of tour de france riders that we're working with who would who would you know drinking 1.2 liters an hour during some of the hotter longer stages but equally on exactly the same days on the same stages in the same conditions i've got riders that are drinking half that or less like five or six hundred mils an hour so that range is pretty wide but what i would say is is a general rule anyone who's drinking much more than one liter an hour you've got to be you know, that's that's getting towards the upper limits of what most people can absorb and require. Down below that, 
per hour. You could be down, you know, in cold conditions when you're not working very hard. It could be down close to zero. You know, you might want to have a drink with you, but it's you, you drink it if you feel like you need to and, and nothing more than that. Um, but I would say if if you if you do have to put your neck on the block, you know, where where should most people be be aiming at with their with their hydration? It's like, well, somewhere between sort of 400 and 800 mils an hour is a good sensible amount i think for most people when they're when they're working and sweating with obviously mm-hmm. lower sweat rates cooler temperatures smaller people being towards the lower end of that and and bigger people working harder in hotter conditions being towards the higher end of that but mm-hmm. but i think being drawn into anything more highly specific then sort of leads you down the wrong path of, of trying yeah, to come, test, with a, come, in, come with a number that works for everyone and it's yeah. it just doesn't exist it doesn't there's no one size fits all that that's on your uh on yeah. your website and, and and you've mentioned before so just uh, one more question before i'd like to move into how people can find you and and the ways and we talk a little bit about the 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 free hydration plan and the test you've got a little bit of sugar in your drink yeah um, what's going on there what's the logic behind that because i know a lot of people are steering away from these super sugary pick your brand um, yeah. sports drinks if we can call them that um why the little bit of sugar andy um well there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that when you put glucose and sodium together in a drink it facilitates faster absorption in the gut so in the in the gut uh, wall you've got receptors that that respond to this this sugar and uh, the, the glucose and the sodium and actually mm. it's called um, glucose sodium co-transport it pulls the, the sugars and the salts into the bloodstream and then fluid moves through with it and gets held there so mm. it's the principle by which oral rehydration solution works which in the uk we kind of have under the under the brand name diorolite i think in in australia it's hydrolyte yeah um, in the us it's pedialyte so all of those kind of things, they're like strong sodium solutions with a little bit of sugar, but you don't need a lot of sugar for that. So our, our drink, which has some carbohydrates in, contains about, it, it mixes up to about a 3% carbohydrate solution. Whereas a typical sports drink, you know, the, the, the kind of Gatorades, Lucasades, Powerades, they tend to be a 6 or 7% carbohydrate solution. So they'll, they'll contain about, about 60 grams, 60, 70 grams of carbohydrate per liter, whereas our drink contains about 30. Okay, um, so, so it's, it's 30 not, is generally enough, isn't it, to, to – to, well, you're never going to restock your carbohydrate requirements for the hour, but it's enough to, to just top it up and keep it going. Exactly, yeah, and it's mainly there kind of for absorption. And on, and on that specific mm. point and on a couple of others that we've talked about, we've got a blog on our website. Um, I think it's called The S Word. Um, all about yeah. sugar, and we, I can send you a, a link to pop in the show notes for that, and a few other, a few other relevant blogs that have, around topics that we've talked about, so people can have a deeper dive into those if they want to. Yeah, I, I think that'd be really good because there's also for the longer distance training, there's the balance of how getting the carbs in. Yeah, uh, and maybe yeah, I'll put them on the blog. Your sweat test was really cool. I like the little pathway to the mountains. And it's online at uh, sweattest.precisionhydration.com. Uh, I, I followed it. It, it, was, it took me about I don't know, two or three minutes. And then it also emailed me my report. 
Yeah. And then it also offered a, a WhatsApp link. Now I'm curious, what's all that about? <laughs> well, what we decided, you know, when we when we started interacting with more athletes is that the thing that is missing with most sports nutrition products is not something that's in the product, but it's in the kind of support that goes with them. So being able to contact someone and ask, okay, well, how exactly do I use this product? And I want to use it with X or Y or in this scenario. And we thought there's no way you can just, people don't like reading FAQs and all those kind of things. What people want to do is talk to a real human being. So at, at PH, we've got some, we've got some great people. Our head of um, customer services is James Phillips or JP as we, as he's known he's an elite triathlete and he's there's greg and abby that, and sean that work with him and that you can whatsapp those guys through our website and ask them questions directly about you know the product about how you're using it about other products and and hydration in general and at the moment um an initiative that we've got going on is you can even book a one-to-one video call with those guys free of charge it's um a 20 minute oh, wow. zoom consultation and you can do that through through the website, through any of our emails, or I'll send you a direct link as well that you can pop in the blog so that people can basically book a book a call. If they can't find the booking link, it's just as easy to email us at hello at precisionhydration.com and either send us a question or or tell tell us that you want to book a one-to-one call and we can send you a link to our calendar to jump on. And there's no Do they have to do the sweat test before then? Or it's a good second? it's a good idea too, because it helps, you know, it helps us gather a bit of information about what kind of training you're doing, the sport and, and whatnot. And we can, you know, the guys can prepare a bit more effectively for the call, but there's no obligation. You know, you can you can just you can just call us up for a chat if you want. So I've done the sweat test, I've maybe had a chat with you online. How do I buy you've got products online? I've seen it, everyone will see it when they go online and they can yeah, have a look. There's a shop button, and you then take your prescription and pick and choose, do you? Yeah, you so so grab grab the products, you know, if, if appropriate, the ones that you need. There's there's the ones that you mentioned with some carbohydrate, and we also do do some electrolyte tablets and capsules with no calories. So they're either effervescent tablets that you drop into a a drink bottle or a, an actual capsule that you just swallow with water. So we've got sort of different options for different scenarios on that. And if and if you're unsure about any of those differences, like I say, just shoot shoot the, the, the team a message, and we can talk you through them in a bit more detail. What I like is that I've enjoyed is the hydration packets come in individual sachets, so you don't have to put a scoop in a tub. It saves a lot of time and mucking around uh, in the morning, especially in the morning. It's a bit dark, or yeah. if you're on the bike and you just want to take a sachet and you're, you're filling up a bottle after a couple of hours from a tap or something, you don't have to take a whole package with you. So that was, that was really cool. Now I noticed it's, um, it's UK, but where can you buy it from anywhere in the world? Yes. So we, we are a UK business, but we have um, products. Some of our products we manufacture in Europe, some we manufacture in the U S as well as in the UK. So basically if you, if you buy from us in the UK or Europe, it will ship from the UK on the same day if it's before 2 p.m i think um we've got various um distribution um, sites in the u.s so we've got pretty good two-day shipping options for anyone in the u.s and canada and then we've also recently as well got distribution in um, australia so for, for australia and new zealand we've got pretty quick shipping and in all those different countries you can when you browse to our website 
it will either take you via your IP address to the correct product pages with localized products, localized currency, all that sort of stuff. Or if it doesn't, for any reason, there's a little flag drop down in the top right hand corner and you can just navigate to whichever ge geography you're in and then see local shipping rates and, and pay in your local currency. Mate, I think that's awesome. What a, what a compelling story. So I first discovered you by listening to another podcast. Uh, and Mikhail's got a fantastic podcast, mm. uh, the Scientific Triathlon Show. Um, it's it's a it's a little bit more focused on the science than than mine, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a great uh, a great resource for people. I've learned a lot about the hydration plan. I think the sweat test is fantastic. The fact that you can also just go online and and book in a WhatsApp call, tremendous. Uh, and then you can buy it online. So I think Andy. I've, Anything, any final words that uh, you'd like to share with the group? No, I think um, I'm just absolutely stoked that you found us, Bill. I'm really pleased to hear we've helped you get on top of the cramping. And I hope this isn't the, the last time we have a conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that if, if people are interested in having more of their questions that, that perhaps not answered on the WhatsApp, although I'm sure it will be, uh, reach out to me at the Faster Podcast or directly with Andy and we'll organise probably another conversation. So thanks very much, Andy. No worries. Join me next time when I'll be talking with one of the rowing world's most interesting people. And if you like this episode, you can subscribe so you never miss an episode in the future. Oh, and please, if you like it, leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out. You can find out more about our unique training system and high-performance coaching by visiting whchambers.com. Thank you.